everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Well, welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and I'm honored that you're joining us today. This episode's going to be dropping on Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day. And I have got my Valentine for 40 years. Oh my gosh, that sounded hey. like we're really old. Well, we, we haven't been married for 40 no, years. No, not married for yeah, 40 years, wait. but... We met like, yeah, when we were two. And so, yeah, we've been Valentine's since we were two. There we go. So, but I've got Todd with me today. Thanks for jumping on, babe. Absolutely. I haven't seen you today. So I thought I'll agree <laughs> to the podcast so we can hang out together. Exactly. I think we're going on a date after this, yeah, actually. Let's so, go. hey, well, we've actually added a new segment since the last time you were on the show. Um, we've reached out to all of our listeners and we're asking them to send in some questions. And since they knew that you were going to be on the show today, there's a couple of questions that they sent in. So, first question that came in was from Ashley. And Ashley asked us, you know, what is your best or worst Valentine's story? Do you have anything there? Um, <laughs> I I think I have an idea what your worst Valentine <laughs> oh, story is going to be bad. back when we were what, in like ninth grade? Eighth yeah, grade? like we were in high school and we were kind of in that little off season, yeah. kind of a, but you were, you know, you were pursuing me, I thought. And so um, I was so excited to show up on Wednesday night at church, church, to student ministries. And you were there with a box wrapped. It was beautiful. Had a bow on. I opened it up and it was the cutest little teddy bear. With a heart. With a heart. Yeah. Like with a heart on it. And I was just like, this is a sign. This is a sign. This is going somewhere. And then I walked into student ministries and I saw two other girls, Michelle and Gail, (laughs) with the same teddy bear. True story. Yes, Yes. I I was scarred by it. So I I don't know if I was, you know, playing the field or if I got a good sale at Kmart that week, but um, (laughs) one way or the other, you know. Well, that that was the worst, but you've made it up to me since then. So I really appreciate it. Well, I really had no idea that Valentine's Day was such a big deal to you until we got married. And then I realized it is a high holy day. It is a high holy day. It absolutely is. uh, It's up there with Christmas and Easter. Absolutely. I mean, you decorate, you bring out hearts and plates that are pink and shapes of hearts and candles and shapes of hearts. I don't know if you're just trying to make sure that I don't forget that Valentine's Day is coming up, right? I I think so. I'm still trying to like get over the teddy bear thing and hopefully there's a better (laughs) gift to come. Um, but um, I think the reason is, is because when um, when I was young, my mom was a single mom. And so Valentine's Day wasn't just about getting a Valentine from a, a, a boy or a guy. Um, she always made Valentine's Day so special. She would make us these really big heart-shaped sugar cookies mm. with white icing. And it would have our little, the names that she called us. All of us had nicknames. And so she wrote that on there. And for about, you know, a couple of days at school, I would bring this cookie in because it took a couple of days to eat it. And I became the envy of the classroom, but she's the one that made it special. And and I love Valentine's Day because to me, it really is about just showing not just your husband or your spouse, but really I, I love the tradition of Galentine's Day when friends get together. I love um, just celebrating with our kids, just really, you know, jumping in and yeah, and just making the most of 
the day of love. You always so do, babe. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. So the next one is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started dating? Uh, don't give several <laughs> girls the same Valentine's <laughs> teddy bear. I think that's the number one that's a good lesson, lesson I learned. Yeah. I think, I think um, that's a great question. I think just be you, as in any relationship, sometimes we work so hard to impress the other person. But if the relationship is going to grow and, and last, you can't be putting something out there that you're not. So just relax and be yeah. you and let them get to know you. Mm-hmm. And I also think, um, you know, we didn't have the pressure of social media and yeah. knowing what someone was doing and where they were going and who they were with 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I think that is a an added pressure and learning how to manage that pressure yeah. and, and manage that in the relationship. But I also, um, I also think it's, you know, just really great not to be afraid to be friends. Right? right. Just to, you know, to go. I think if there was one thing, one piece of advice I would give is to go slow, become great friends, because if you become great friends first, you win. Like at the right. end, at the end of the journey, whatever happens, you win. And so. And that friendship lasts. I mean, yes. what we built mm-hmm. back in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th yes. grade, we're living out of that even now, right? right? I mean, right. those that friendship and that bond that we've had. That's important. So, okay. So one person wrote and says, I'm single. I don't know where to begin looking. Is it wrong to look for the right person? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely natural to, to look. Um, and I think they're even asking there where they should look for the right person. We met each other at church, which is always a good place, but you may not meet your spouse in the house. But I would say this, um, instead of focusing on where to look, I would encourage you about what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the list of anybody you're considering for a future soulmate companion down the road, I mean, they got to have a heart for God. Mm -hmm. You want their walk uh, with Jesus to challenge you, to inspire you, to make you a better follower of Jesus. I mean, you don't want to be hoping that they love God because they prayed once over a meal when you went out, man. You want want it to be evident that Mm -hmm. they love God. And Julie... Um, your walk with Jesus has made me a better follower of Jesus, a better person. Um, your faith has had a huge impact on my faith. And I know that I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for you Aww. and your love for Jesus. Thank you, babe. Also, you know, sometimes um, you say, I've heard you say before that, you know, you need to become the person that you're looking for is looking for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've heard you say yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. like focus on the kind of person that the person you'd like to be with someday what what are they looking for? What characteristics and traits are they looking for? And then work on those in your own life. Mm-hmm. Compassion, yep. integrity, love for God, his word, love for people, an interested, interesting mm-hmm. person about, you know, interested in lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you do to become that person yeah. that the person you're looking for is looking for? I love that. You know, um, I think that there is a, a myth in culture that somebody is going to come along and be your other half, as yeah. if you're not complete. Right. I remember the movie, you know, back in our day was Jerry Maguire, that line, you know, when they are gazing into each other's eyes and and um, and Tom Cruise says, <laughs> you, you complete, complete me. me. And even, I never even saw the movie, but like just that line like brings tears to my eyes, but it's so not true. It's like such a lie. You know, I would just want to encourage anyone that's single out there that there is only one who can complete you. And that is, that is God. And he has, he has a full, abundant, amazing life for you in your singleness. Yeah. And I would just encourage you, yes, you can look, but live 
Don't stop living while you're looking. That's good. Live and look at the same time. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in every way and he'll direct your path. So as you're following him, as you're acknowledging him, as you're walking the path, you know, keep your eyes open. Keep your head up, yeah. but look at other people. Look for some other somebody that's walking the path with you. Right, right. You don't want to go find a whole new path where where God's presence, you know, isn't there um, to to find the person you're looking for. So walk the path, live your life, and look while you're living. So good advice. Awesome. Okay, okay. So jumping into what matters in this episode. So Todd. It's Valentine's Day, and you hey. and I, you know, we'll have a date night tonight because we're actually empty nesters. There were many years that I we know. didn't have date nights, but we are em- officially empty nesters. And this kind of happened over the summer, uh, uh, summer of 2020, 2020 for us. So, yeah. Things changed. Yeah, things overnight. changed overnight. I remember mm-hmm. that season well mm-hmm. and uh, what we walked through. Of course, everybody remembers 2020 mm-hmm. and what we all walked through. But we had that joy in the middle of it when Jefferson and Cassie got married and we yeah. had the big celebration. And uh, you did such a great job. You were... Uh, helping out the kids, building out the ceremony and the service and the celebration. And just, you know, it was such a a great, a great memory and a great time. Yeah. It's amazing how you remember it so beautifully and great. It was as if, you know, there was like this moment in the, in the COVID crisis where the clouds parted and we had this beautiful moment. Right. And, um, and I remember there was a lot of pressure leading up to the, to the wedding. And so I think because I was so involved in the, um, in the changing of plans and changing of venues that, um, that I, I didn't really have time before the wedding to deal with my emotions. And Mm so there was a lot of pressure leading up to the wedding. We had to change venues the week of the wedding. We had to decide, are we going to do a wedding of 300 or 10, you know, or 30, what's going to happen? And so it seemed like, you know, the decisions were just changing every single week. Well, it got down to the week of the wedding. And I remember the day before the wedding, I thought, you know what? I am not going to be stressed. I am not going to be worried about this. I am just going to enjoy the moment. And And I did. did, right? Yeah. Like there was this anointing on the moment. I remember you walked into the rehearsal dinner and you knew the pressure I was under. I know. I thought you were on something. I'm like, what did you take? Because you are just acting way too calm, but you were on the Holy Spirit is what you were on. And he had, he was giving you peace and joy and you were just 24 hours of like the anointing. Well, then the next morning after the wedding, there is a reason there are no photographers around the morning after the wedding. Come on. So the next morning, um, I, things changed, like things shifted dramatically. Yeah, I remember yeah. I was, I was walking through the house trying to find you and I couldn't, I couldn't find you. And I walked by Jefferson's old bedroom and I looked in the room and I didn't see you, but I heard you mm. and you were over on the floor <laughs> on the other side of his bed crying. And I'm thinking something is really wrong. Yes. Like, oh babe, what happened? What What's going on? And, and you're just like, you start wailing. He's oh. gone. He's gone. <laughs> well, just to get preface this, how often have you seen me cry like this? Oh, all, like ever? never. Like never. No. So between the two of us, who would be the more oh, weepy I'm one? way so. more the weepy one, the more emotional <laughs> so one. So this was, this it was, was a shocking. dramatic moment. It was shocking. It was. And so you came over and we sat on the end of his bed and I'm like, babe. You know how I always say that Jefferson is like my heart walking around on the outside of my body. It's like my heart just walked down the aisle, walked d- out the door, down the aisle, and he's never going to return again. And I, and I was like, babe, he's just moved three streets over from <laughs> us. He'll probably be back for dinner next week after they get back from their honeymoon. And I I, mean, did, I didn't feel like you were very sensitive in that <laughs> one, but... 
But I mean, I think both of us probably, you were trying to be strong, but we were both dealing with some pretty heavy emotions. Sure. Um, and really, honestly, that that um, day kind of launched me into, it was a couple of weeks before I kind of came out of it. And I remember that, you know, over the next couple of weeks that I was like looking in the rear view mirror at our parenthood journey. And, and I was I was remembering all the things that I got wrong. Right. Mm. And, you know, and cried over those. And then I celebrated the few things that that we got right. And then I what really hit me the most was I started thinking about um, all the energy that I had spent on some of the things that just didn't matter. Mm. You know, I think about his spelling test in the fifth grade that he failed. It didn't <laughs> matter. As a matter of fact, I in that moment, I couldn't even remember his SAT scores as important as they seemed in the right. moment. Right. Didn't matter. The time he showed up to lead worship on the platform yeah. and I had forgotten, I laid out his outfit, but forgot the shoes. And, and so all wrong. filthy tennis yes. shoes. And I could not even <laughs> worship. All I could see were those tennis shoes, the vegetables he didn't eat. It just didn't matter. And I started getting a little bit discouraged because I thought, you know, my parenting journey is over and I focused on things that didn't matter. But then I realized that I actually am going to be the parent of an adult child for far longer right. than I was a, a child living under my roof. But, you know, I started thinking about um, about this just in context of of the things that really do matter. And I was thinking, you know, about... Um, not just in our parenting or or in our our marriage relationship, but it got me thinking about what matters the most and how much time we spend on things that just don't, especially in relationships. We spend our our incredibly valuable time worrying about petty disagreements, Mm -hmm. and we miss out on opportunities to build strong, lasting relationships that are going to withstand bumps in the road and storms that are going to come our way. And today... Um, I just wanted to spend a few minutes really talking about when it comes to relationships, whether it's our marriage relationship, whether it's our relationship with our friends, our team, our children, what matters the most? So when I ask that question, babe, when you look back, what matters most when Mm. it comes to relationships? That's a great question. And when you ask it, the first thing that comes to my mind is that authenticity matters the most. I mean, just being real with each other. And that's obviously very critical in a marriage relationship, but that's important in any relationship, mm-hmm. a friendship, in a parent-child relationship, in a work relationship, being authentically you, being vulnerable. Authenticity mm-hmm. requires vulnerability and being open, not putting up um, defenses, not uh, keeping the mask on and trying mm-hmm. to hide behind it. And, and we all have a tendency to do that from time to time. And we have a tendency to put a shield up uh, to protect ourselves, especially if we've been hurt in a relationship. And I think 10 out of 10 of us have all been hurt yeah. in relationships. Yeah. So that's a tendency we have. But authenticity is really the secret to really knowing the other person and being known. And that's what relationship is all about. That's yeah. what you think about the relationships that mean the most to you, that matter the most to you. It's where you are fully known and fully loved. Yeah. Like as you are, no mm-hmm. pretense, no um, having to try to put just my best foot forward. But as I am, I am fully known and fully mm-hmm. loved. And there's yeah. something beautiful about that. Yeah. But to have that, there's got to be authenticity in relationships. And so um, I think, you know, I said something earlier about what I wish I knew before I was dating beside the teddy bear thing. And that was that you don't try to work so hard to impress the other person mm-hmm. because in a relationship that's going to last and go the distance in any relationship, um, 
you, if you keep putting something out there that you're not, mm-hmm. it's you're you're not building relationship that's going to last. Right. And so that's really why I think it's uh, speaks to the acceptance and the belonging that we all long for down deep. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I think um, when you said about authenticity matters, and but to build to to have relationships that are safe and authentic, it takes time and it takes intentionality. Right. Um, those you're you're not going to have hundreds of those kinds of friends, you know. Right. But it's so important to have that with with your with your husband or your wife and with your kids and then a few close friends that yeah. you can have that kind of community with. So you know it does take time. So um, I think about the the scripture where it says that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Mm. That I think part of authenticity is having people in your life yeah. and being authentic and vulnerable enough to be able to invite people to speak into your life. Maybe the blind spots that you have. We just jumped right. in pretty deep. Really yeah, we quick. did. So, but you know, it's, yeah. so, it's so, so good. And, mm-hmm. and, and really making it easy for people in your life like yeah. that you've got mm-hmm. to be able to speak into your life. Yep. And you and I, we, we try to keep that really easy for each other. Mm-hmm. So there's times where you come to me and say, hey, Todd, um, uh, what do you wish you could say to me yeah. that you're waiting for the right timing to try to work mm-hmm. in? Or yeah. is there anything that you're seeing in my life or my leadership that you'd like to speak into or you mm-hmm. think that it, you know, is a blind spot in my life? Yeah. And I try to do the same thing with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do that with some other guys as well yeah. and make it easy for people to speak in. That, that speaks to the authenticity, the vulnerability, the openness, and it allows God to get in the middle of that relationship and mm-hmm. really refine you and use that dear friendship or that mm-hmm. spouse to mm-hmm. help you become who God has created you to become. Yeah. I think um, you said earlier that 10 out of 10 of us have been hurt. And I think sometimes we give up on relationships and authentic relationships when we've been hurt. Yeah. But I always like to say, how many of us have had a bad haircut? <laughs> yep. 10 out of 10 of us. 10 out of 10 and of we us. still get haircuts, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. How many of us had a bad restaurant experience? Yep. I mean, we still go to restaurants or else we'd starve, right? Um, sorry. Sorry, babe. <laughs> we would. But <laughs> we would. Um, but, you know, you got to give it a chance. And I think, um, you know, really finding um, finding people, and if you're having difficulty finding someone, if you're, you know, if you're not married or, um, or if you don't have that with a close group of friends to actively pursue that. And I think the best place, like you said, you know, earlier, it's not just about finding your spouse in the house, but finding like traveling companions for the journey in the, in, in God's house. Um, even if it's someone that might be a, a friend that, um, that you're not even looking for, maybe that's a little bit further down the road than you, a little bit more mature than you, right. Someone that, you know, you can trust. I think it's, it's always worth another try. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. So authenticity authenticity matters. matters. The second thing I would say is a vision Mm -hmm. matters, Mm -hmm. getting a vision for your relationship, getting a vision for your marriage. What do you want it to be? What do you want it to look like? What do you, what do you want to see a vision for your kids and your family and, and the, the, the way your home and your relationships and your friendships Mm -hmm. are going to go. Um, you'll never get there if you don't know what there. Right really looks like. There's a scripture in the Bible that says where there's no vision, the people perish. And I really believe that where there's no vision, a relationship will perish because um, you haven't sat down and really talked about what you want to build and where you want to go. Yeah, I think that's so good. You know, vision actually builds a bridge from where you are to where you want to be. That's good. And where God wants to take you. Because when we talk about vision and the vision you just talked about in that scripture, we're not just talking about what we see for ourselves and what we see for our relationships. We're actually talking about what God sees. Right. And so it's so important that we pray, God, what is your vision for our marriage, for our family, 
for the friendships, for the people that you've put entrusted um, in relationship with me. You know, I think about as a church, we have a very clear vision that we want to lead a radical transformation for Jesus in this region and beyond. Yep. You know, it's clear. It paints a picture of of what we're what we believe God's calling us into. But it's it's also aspirational. You know, um, when when I when I think about us in our marriage, I, we have a very clear vision of, of where what we want our marriage to look like, and and I want to land on marriage just for a minute because marriage marriage matters too. You know, yeah. vision matters, marriage matters. But you can apply this to any area. But um, but this you know again, vision is aspirational. We're not there yet, but we want our marriage to be the greatest message that we ever preach. Right. That's our vision for our marriage because we know that some of you guys who go to Christ Fellowship, you know, you are not going to remember the sermon that we preached and three worked years so ago. hard to yeah, preach and get a word ago, from the or Lord. Even three weeks ago. No, it's you so won't remember. Sad. I don't even know if I remember. But you will remember. You will remember if our marriage blows up and leaves a yeah. wake of devastation behind us. And so um so we recognize that that we know that that our our ministry, healthy ministry flows out of a healthy marriage and, and we want to be healthy in both. Because we know that we're going to be married to each other a lot longer than than we're senior pastors, right? Yeah, and right. so um so we we have this vision, but you know, I think about the fact that um there's lots of books that have been written for for people in the marketplace, you know, about how to how to create a great vision for for your for for your personal life or also for your um for your workplace and how to build culture, how to have vision and values and strategy. And we all like admire businesses that have that. We love Chick-fil-A's right. vision. But I wonder if um if we need to become just as intentional right. and just as articulate about our vision for our relationships and for our family. You know, when I think about our vision, you know, to that our marriage would be the greatest message that we've ever preached, we also know that that there are some values that come with that. That means that that we need to not walk away from hard conversations, mm-hmm. right? That that we need to be intentional about the time we spend together. And then there's a strategy. What are we going to do every single day, every single week to be able to fulfill that vision? And so when we're talking about vision, it's important that that you get a vision and that you write that vision down. I, I was thinking about, I have a vision for relationships that I have with some amazing spiritual daughters that I want to invest and equip spiritual daughters to do more mm-hmm. for God's kingdom than they, sorry. <laughs> I want to invest and equip spiritual daughters to do more for God's kingdom than they ever dreamt yeah. was possible. But I know if I'm going to do that, that I have to, you know, there's some values. I, I have to live with integrity and honor to be able to, to pave the way for them and to create a path for them to, to walk in. And then I also have to create a strategy of, of what am I going to do? Right. How, what's, how's my calendar going to reflect the vision that I have? So when it comes to our relationships, you know, our vision matters, but it also matters that we write it down and we get a plan yeah. because, you know, in marriage or in any relationship, happily ever after is is not just something we're going to stumble into. It's actually a destination that's carefully crafted. 
Yeah, that's yeah. really important. And Julie, you did that really well when uh, Jefferson was young and he was at home. You you said, we need to get a, a, a family vision, for <laughs> yeah. a vision statement for yeah. our family. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's a great idea. And uh, I, I, was Jefferson like maybe nine or 10 or so, something? No, he was time? in seventh grade. Okay, he's yes. a little bit older. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was uh, he was starting to serve around the church. And of course, we've always just brought him along to church yep. whenever we're here, mm-hmm. whatever we're doing. And uh, there was something coming up that was just kind of taking a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and uh, it was going to require him getting out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I remember that's when you sat him down and you said, Jefferson, what do you think we're called to do? Mm-hmm. Not as the Mullins family, but just as followers of Jesus. And we mm-hmm. talked about how we need to love God and how we need to serve people. Mm-hmm. But one of his words at the time was party-ish. <laughs> yeah, everything. He, everything that had was to be his value. Party-ish. Mm-hmm. Had to be yeah. fun, had to be a party. He loved to throw parties, mm-hmm. loved to have people. He, he invited people. He would get on your computer and invite <laughs> people to parties yes. at our house. And yes. we didn't we even didn't know, know about, about it. it. Right. And they thought uh-huh. they were getting an email from you, which is another story <laughs> altogether. So we decided that our, our he, he helped craft it, that our vision statement for our family was that we were going to love God and serve people in a party-ish way. Yeah. And that became our little mantra for yep. a while. Mm-hmm. And it really helped us as a family yeah. in that season to kind of know where we were going and why we were going there together. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it, it, that's, you know, our vision, our mission mattered. Like it, it mattered that we wanted to bring him along, that this wasn't just something that we did, right. you know, and, um, and Jefferson, a little side note, um, but Jefferson didn't ask to be born into a pastor's family. <laughs> and so I think sometimes we just, you know, we had the, we, we could have had the tendency to just drag him along to everything that we were doing. Um, but instead we wanted to create a place that, that he was a part and he had, you know, that, that his voice in the mission and the vision of our family mattered. So. Yeah. I think it's I think it's important to craft that with your family. And now it's changed. We're empty nesters, so yeah, we're going on a date tonight. Yeah, you know, Julie, in the same way that you know God purposes individuals for uh, with destiny and and vision for our lives, God has a purpose and a destiny for our marriage. For when when God brings two people together, there you often say that's a power union. And he wants our marriage to be a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And there's things he's called us to. And but along the way, there's going to be battles and struggles and conflict. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to say conflict matters. Yeah. <laughs> conflict happens. Yeah. But how you handle conflict in yeah. any relationship mm-hmm. really matters. Oh, yeah. It can Absolutely. either destroy the relationship, mm-hmm. the marriage, the friendship, mm-hmm. or it can build it stronger. Right. And we we really had to work, with, work at this mm-hmm. because when we were um, dating, <laughs> hanging yeah. out together through high school, college... We never had an argument. Yeah, like even when we broke up, it was really amicable. Like, yeah. okay, we're going to just release each other to find God's will <laughs> for our lives. So, um, that you know, it was just, it was, we were just such good friends. I think that was probably, we weren't very authentic at the time. I think that was part <laughs> of the know, problem. But we, just, um, but we're we were very best agreeable. Forward, right? yeah, even so much so that when we were in our marriage counseling mm-hmm. and dad yeah. said, hey, when do you guys fight and argue? Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, we're never... We're not going to fight and argue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, when you argue, here's what you, you need to get in each other's arms and pray. And I'm thinking, yeah. we don't even need to worry about that because we're not going to we're not going to have any problems. <laughs> we're in love. Yeah. yeah and but, then, and then on our honeymoon, we got into our very first fight, and um, and I remember, you know, we were um, leaving a parking garage, and and I wasn't paying very close attention to what was happening around me. And, and I, I was couldn't putting find on my the lipstick and you couldn't find anywhere. the parking ticket. And then all of a sudden you're like, will you help me find the ticket? <laughs> like in this very guttural demonic voice. And I was shattered. Like in that moment, I shut down, I went quiet and I just thought, oh my gosh, 
all has been lost. I mean, who is this person? And I was, I, I was actually, I think because, you know, maybe some of the things in my background, um, I was afraid of conflict. Mm-hmm. I was afraid, and that might be why we never had a fight before, but I, you know, I was afraid of conflict. So when conflict came our way, I ended up just kind of shutting down that kind of set a pattern for our marriage for the next few years. And when I look back at our marriage and even in ministry and in relationships, my biggest regrets are the conversations that I didn't have. Mm. Because even in that moment, um, how I handled conflict, there's two ways that people handle conflict. There's fighters and there's fleers and there's people in the middle, but Todd's a fighter. He's going to come after it. Let's let's settle this now. And I was a fleer. And and I remember thinking about the scripture in, in, um, in, in Matthew where it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And I just thought that is my theme verse. I mean, if there was a, a, picture of somebody for that verse, like in the picture Bible, it would be my picture because I thought that by never engaging in conflict, that I was actually a peacemaker. But what I was doing, I was a peace faker. I was was faking peace and it was fake peace and there wasn't unity and there wasn't harmony because I was not allowing conflict and the conversations that come out of conflict to be able to build our relationship healthy and strong. And so, um, so I, I grew in that area and I knew that was an area of growth. And so I think anyone out there that, you know, that, that is, that is a fleer in conflict, fleers have to, you know, kind of come to the middle and engage fighters, you know, have, have to, to be careful yep. at, um, at what they're, ask you know, how, ask questions yeah. and, and, um, and maybe not come across so strong and guttural and demonic. At times. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> you know, I think for a lot of people, um, they think conflict is the absence of unity. Yeah. That's what we even thought, yeah. but it's not the absence of unity. It's really an opportunity yeah. for unity. It's an yeah. opportunity to love the other person mm-hmm. like, Jesus, yeah. to, to care, to listen. It, it's an opportunity for Jesus to step into the middle of the conflict. So, you know, when you're dealing with conflict in a relationship, in a marriage, in a friendship, with your kids, whatever it might be, don't look at it as this, oh, unity's gone. But no, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity, opportunity. for unity yeah. to step into the middle of this. Yeah. And really, um, we've gotten better at normalizing conflict mm-hmm. in our relationship. Uh, it's conflict isn't the signal to bail or shut down or give up mm-hmm. or throw in the towel. It's actually a call to action. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need to lean into this. We need to talk. We need to clear the calendar, spend some time together, pray together. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most important things you can do as a couple is pray together. Yeah. If you are not praying together, um, it is it, it, it needs to be a normal part mm-hmm. of your flow. When things mm-hmm. come up, when problems arise, first thing you do is pray mm-hmm. and, um, and, and keep prayer. Prayer invites the presence of Christ right, right. into any relationship. Yeah, I think that goes back to... Um, making peace. And I think that a lot of, you know, there's a lot of disagreements that you don't have to have. There's a lot of fights that will not happen if you're praying together every year, every day. You're kind of at, you're, you're proactively investing in yeah, the peace right. in your relationship. Right. I would I would say one last thing that um, going back to the scripture, that a peacemaker is someone that makes peace mm. and making peace is active. It means that you actually are moving in the direction of conflict to actually make something supernatural happen out of that natural conflict. Yeah. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And I think it's important to remember that um, the reason you're called a peacemaker is because you make peace 
which means for me, I have to move in the direction of conflict in order to make peace and allow God to do something supernatural out of that natural conflict. And it says that we will be called the children of God because we will look like our father. And what did God do? He always moves in the direction of conflict. He's always about restoring and reconciling relationships. And this isn't just in a marriage. It's with our kids. It's with our friends that we would be peacemakers, move in the direction so that something supernatural can come out of that natural conflict. So there's a couple easy things. Yes, that, the, yeah. we call it the ABCs yeah. of helping to resolve conflict. A, accept responsibility. Yeah. You know, own your part of it, even mm-hmm. if your part is only a small part. Yeah. You know, we, you've heard us say before that if you're just 2% wrong mm-hmm. in the conversation, own 100% of your 2%. Of your 2%. Yeah. Own your part. So mm-hmm. Julie, I, I'm 2% wrong. You're not, <laughs> no, no, that's not the way to do it. Um, but accept responsibility. And, and be quick to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. When you know there's something you did wrong, ask mm-hmm. for forgiveness and be quick to show forgiveness. Yeah. And, you know, I think about um, the fact that I think early on I was a pretty bad apologizer. Well, I'm sorry if that offended you. So <laughs> what did I just do there? I was you like, just you said got I, offended. I, I got offended, you know? not that you were offensive. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry that you took it that way. Yeah, it's you back know? on me again. And Thanks I think, a lot. you know, I think sometimes that you have to say you know, another way of saying, um, of, another way of really navigating through that is, you know, even though your intent might not have been to hurt someone, but if it impacted that them that way, mm-hmm. it's important to apologize. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the the tools that we use is I'm so sorry that what I said impacted you that way because that was certainly not my intent. Mm-hmm. So in that, I I own the fact that I said it. I own the fact that it hurt you, but I also want you to know that in my heart, I would have never wanted to do it right. that way. So, and, and we've gotten better at that better, through the years because yes. mm-hmm. initially we, you know, we were we were we were, were joking, but we were like, "Yeah, I'm sorry that you are so easily offended." Um, <laughs> it was kind of that, but uh, but even calling bad apologies out, going, "Hey, yeah. I don't think that's sincere. I don't think yeah. I don't think you hear what you're saying." Yes. And that's got we've gotten better. So yes. at yeah. accepting responsibility, mm-hmm. believing the best in other people. B is believe the best, and so I think this goes a long way. I think we sometimes we judge um, ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by their actions. Is that right? Is that how you're supposed to say it? Yes. And so um, again, we know what our intentions are, but we we impose um, our our belief of what somebody else's intentions are on their actions. And I think, you know, one of the things we say around here as a team is that, you know, hey, when you look at someone, just put a 10 on their forehead. And so not everyone is is great at conflict. Not everyone is great at relationships. So give someone the benefit of the doubt. That crazy look that you thought you saw in the meeting could have just been the tacos they ate for lunch, you know, so <laughs> so don't don't be easily, don't be easily offended. So yeah. believe the best in other people. Yeah. And yeah. C, communicate is, quickly mm-hmm. and communicate often. I think really working hard at communicating and not shutting down. A lot of people, when there's problems or there's conflict, especially if they're a fleer, they run, they don't want to talk, they give people the cold shoulder. Can't do that in any relationship, especially not in your marriage relationship. Um, There's a scripture, of course, that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been times we haven't been able to solve every problem before it was time for bed, but we at least communicated to each other. We began the conversation. We let each other know we're going to figure this out. We're going to work through this together and we're committed to that. So communicate quickly. Quickly and continually. I think quickly is so important, especially in friendships. And, you know, I would say communicate quickly and in person. 
right? Don't try to solve conflict by email or by text, right. especially, you know, in, in friendships. I think a lot of times when, when a conflict arises, it does create a gap in a relationship. And it's so important that you close that gap quickly with good communication, because a lot of times what happens is as time goes on, what gets in that gap? Well, suspicion gets in the gap. I right. wonder why they haven't called me. I wonder why, what they're or thinking. Or you start filling in the script with everything that it yes, could have meant. Yes, it could have meant. Yes. You know. Yes. It takes and you down roads you should ta- not go. <laughs> exactly. So, th- so you know, these unrealistic thoughts come into your mind. The second thing that happens is if you don't talk directly to that person, sometimes you'll talk to somebody else, mm. you know, and we say, we have a saying around here that if you're not part of the problem, you're not part of the solution and you're talking about somebody, something or someone, it's gossip. And so gossip right. can get in a relationship really quick. And it might be that you're just trying to process, you're just verbally processing the problem about somebody else, but it actually creates a gap. And so thing, people start getting in that gap. The gaps gets wider and the, the wider the gap, the harder it is to make, make, um, build the bridge back into the relationship. So that's why it's important to communicate quickly, directly, and don't bring a bunch of people and crazy into the, yeah. thinking into the gap. That's so, right. Okay. That's great. Awesome. So this isn't the last one, but it's the last one we're going to talk about today. And that is that commitment matters. Commitment matters. You know, um, I one thing I say a lot especially to our young interns um, around here is that your destiny is not a mystery. Your destiny is going to be determined by the commitments that you make and the daily steps that you take to keep that commitment. Our lives are defined by the commitments we make. My commitment to you, Todd, the day I said I do, every chapter of my story was written with your name in it. And the commitments that we that we make when we take a job will determine how we spend most of our time. And when I look back, um, again, going back to the story about Jefferson, you know, I, I think about the commitments that we made were that were the right commitments and some of those that maybe weren't the best commitments. But when I think about um, the best commitment that that we made and that that we've seen in ministry for the last several years is found in a scripture in Psalm 92. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. They will still bear fruit in their old age. And I think about the scripture, yes, it is instructional that we are to be planted in God's house in godly community, but it's also prophetic. Mm. This is a prophetic instruction because it's saying that the commitment that you make now right. is going to make you fruitful in the future. That's great. That what you are investing in now by planting in God's house, by planting in, you know, in the lives of people, you are actually forecasting your future. Your commitment forecasts your future. It impacts and and it impacts the future of other people. And and sometimes I think because we're pastors here, you know, that we kind of shy away from mm. this commitment. Mm-hmm. But I don't want anyone out there to miss out on one good thing that God has for them. Yeah. I don't want them to miss out on God's purpose, God's plan. And I really believe that that the commitments that we make are going to determine our future. And well, we, this one is huge. When you think about that verse you read, when a tree is planted, the purpose of that tree is to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. That is why that tree yeah. was created by God, to produce fruit. What God's saying in the scripture is when you are planted in his house, in the place where he has you, when you're planted there, you're going to produce, you're going to live the life you've been created to live and produce the fruit. But the fruit 
isn't for the tree. Mm-hmm. Think about that. The fruit, the tree doesn't eat the fruit. Right. The fruit's for others. Right. That fruit isn't just about us. Mm-hmm. So the commitments aren't about us. The mm-hmm. commitments are about what God wants to do through us. And as we are faithful to these commitments, our commitments matter in our relationships and our marriage to where God has called us, to the people mm-hmm. God has put in our lives, there's a blessing that comes. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's prophetic. There's going to be there's going to be fruit that multiplies and impacts generations to come. Yeah, I love that, Todd, because I think about this is such a theme all throughout Scripture. It's a it, we see this, and we could right. actually do a whole series on the commitments that we make, especially our commitment to a community of believers. You know, I think about the story of Ruth and Ruth in Ruth chapter one. She is destitute. She's penny. She's a foreigner getting ready to go into a new land. And she makes these commitments to Naomi, her mother-in-law, because Naomi was part of the people of God, but Ruth was not. And she says to Naomi that where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people are going to be my people, your gods, my God. And that commitment marks every step of her story. And everything that God had for her was waiting for her on the other side of that commitment. I mean, think about what was waiting for her. Yeah. Her husband, Boaz, yeah. was waiting for her. And then she she marries Boaz and she has a baby and that baby's name is Obed. He grows up, has a son named Jesse who grows up, has a son named David who is King David. Yep. And from the line of King David, Jesus was born. Right. And here on the other side of Ruth's commitment, her destiny was waiting. Mm-hmm. And like you said, this is not just about, you know, today. It's about future generations right. that that God is going to impact through the commitments that we make. Right. He does exceedingly abundantly above we could hope, dream, or imagine. That's the kind of God that he is. And there is so much waiting for us, so much waiting for each of you on the other side of the commitments that you make to God and to God's family. Well, babe, thanks so much yeah. for just helping us get focused on what matters most in our relationships. And we're going to be unpacking some of this in some future future episodes. So we can't wait for you guys to stick with us. And hey, if you have any questions that you want to ask, um, just make sure you send those in to, you can text the word sisterhood to 441-441. And we're taking those questions. And I just want to leave you with a question. I'm going to have Todd pray for us. My question for you this week is, what relationship do you need for God to give you vision for? Because remember, it's not just about what we see for our relationships. We want revelation for what God sees for our relationships in the days to come. So Todd, we just pray us out. I would love to. Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you so much for relationship. Thank you that you're a God of relationship, that you're all about us having healthy, growing, vibrant relationships. And Lord, in all of our lives, there's some relationships that we need to work at and we need you to speak into and give us vision for. How do you see it? Could be marriages, Mm -hmm. could be friendships, could be relationships with our kids. God, whatever it is, I pray today that you would help us to see that relationship the way you see it, the way it could be, the way it should be. God, and then give us the steps we need to take to be authentic and open and vulnerable and how to deal with issues and problems so that we can see that come a reality in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, everybody together said, amen. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, SoGoodSisterhood.com. 
Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.